0: Good morning, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Totally... Uh, sorry, <laughs> Old chat <laughs> To Canon Talk, I'm yours, morning and my co-host, as usual,
1: Aiden. How's it, guys? This hasn't been the best week, performance-wise, for Arsenal. You know, two games, but we never saw the Arsenal that we were praising so much. We call it two to three weeks back. First game at Brammer Lane. Tight affair, very hostile environment. Arsenal needed to start strong.
0: You know, as expected, it was going to be a tough game. But, you know, almost like the warnings weren't needed. I mean, we already knew what type of thing is going to be set out for us for the trip to Premier League. And it seems like, you know, almost like no homework was really done with how the, the, the squad set up, as well as the, the style of play going into this game. Because, look, they've always, at the moment, they've actually lost just in, in, in like, I think, one goal margins for most of the games this season, Sheffield United. Yes. And as well, like we did not need, you know, any sort of warning to that sort of play, or you know, go in prepared, you know, come with a more, uh, I would say, more brash approach to the game, because I think we were just playing way too cautiously. I,
1: I think <laughs> the, the the game against Liverpool should have given Arsenal a warning of what they should expect at Bramall Lane. I mean, Liverpool, it wasn't for Henderson, the keeper that you know made a, a error against Liverpool. It could have been easily a 0-0 draw. And what I don't like you mentioned with the homework of Emirate you did he not see that set-pieces always where Sheffield United were going to punish Arsenal? Because if you look at Sheffield United set-pieces against Liverpool, they were they were causing Liverpool a lot of problems, and coming against Arsenal, you know, that was our Achilles heel, and that was what they were doing against us all the time.
0: And I mean, you know, with, with regards to the game, again, you know, it looks like the squad goes into the game almost like, you know, they're not a team set up for success, because... It' like it looks very really lethargic the, the old style of playing because it was all like playing into Sheffield United games, because all of a sudden Sheffield United became almost like what you would call like one of the you know the world class sides because they were you know smothering the ball when we had it in our position. and when it came to the the counter uh, side of the game, they were playing a sort of temper that we couldn't even keep up with.
1: And, and the, the problem with with, uh, with Arsenal right uh, now, not with Arsenal, but you know, Chambers is a very good right back. But in this game, it was like we lost a bit of attacking impetus on our right hand side because Chambers is not going to, in a tighter field like this, you know, bomb down the line and give you a proper overlap. So I think we lost a bit of that in the game as well. And what I think in a in a in a way there is, especially in a game like this. Arsenal need to use their set-pieces a bit better. You saw their corners. Why is it eating the first man all the time? The entire game against Sheffield United, if you look at it, our corners, we didn't make the keeper work really from a corner. Yes, we could have got the penalty with Socrates. I mean, we can probably go into detail a bit with that, you know, as we go along in the game. But why is it that in a game of, like, you know, away days, we're not going to get chances all the time that we're taking our corners the way we are?
0: And you know, like, with the course of the game, we had like what 70, 70 position, 7% position, and I mean, it's only like at 7% position, yes, but it's not like we made any, you know, actual use of the ball because we were doing those sideways passes and all that, and that, you know, passes to the back, and I mean, eventually that all counts as you know, in inverted commas, as position. So it's not like we really made inroads into Sheffield United's team, even though we are sitting with us, you know, over like a glowing type of step.
1: You you made a point about Arsenal, how they lack leadership. This game, you know, uh, uh, you could see the lack of leadership. So, you know, Arsenal has a game plan. Obviously, you know what Emery tells him, or I don't even know if they have a game plan when they're going to games. They go 1-0 down, and suddenly the Arsenal team goes into disarray. It's like, they don't know what to do. You find the attack, your defensive midfielders are in the box it's like they don't go into, like, you know, Man City's game is an you know, opposition game. They pass, pass, try to cut you open. Even though Man City go 1 0 down, 2 0 down, they will still play the game to try to cut you open. Same with Liverpool. But it's like Arsenal, in this game especially, they went 1 0 down and went, you know, disarray. Like, there's nobody saying, hang on, this is not working let's do this, or, you know, stick to the plan, stick to the plan. But it's just, like, all over the place. People are crossing the ball high when no one's in the box. It's just, it was just a mess, this game.
0: And I mean, like, with that Musa goal. you know what? In the uh, whole build-up or lead-up to that goal, it actually infuriates me because when you watch it in slow motion, um, O'Connell, the uh, the defender, he's, like, floating in the box, so... uh, Callum Chambers like marking, him, or supposedly marking. Him. And for that split second, as the, the corner is about to be taken, Callum Chambers looks towards the corner taker because he set himself so up. He's not like, you know, like you the way you taught as a kid, you know, to keep your body almost like in you know, a position where you can watch the guy you're marking plus the corner taker. He didn't do that. So he's, of course, straight watching the player and then all of a sudden he switches his attention just to the corner taker. In that moment, O'Connell already peels off him. And by the time he looks where O'Connell is, O'Connell's already darting towards the back post. And by the time Callum Chambers now decides not to try to somehow uh, intervene, uh, you have uh, people like uh, Gwendosi, and I, I think, I'm not sure if it's David Louise or whatever, where everybody starts getting clumped up and they get in each other's way. So he gets, of course, a free header. In that period, where the ball is now coming over, you've got Kolasinach, who's supposed to be marking Muset. And he's starting to watch O'Connell. And in that time he's watching O'Connell, Muset is already peeling off. And by the time that ball gets uh, headed, like that free head that comes towards him, it's a simple tap-in for Muset. And I'm thinking, why is this happening?
1: Uh, I, 100%. You know, there was three guys on one in the box with that, that the, the setup for that goal. There was three guys on the guy who headed the ball to Muset. There was three on him. And I mean, how is that possible in the box? I mean, how do you have three on one when there's so many? Like when in the in the box, such a small space, you guys are punching like that. And for me, that we knew Sheffield United that was going to be the source of their goal. We knew we we spoke about it last week, and we t- we spoke to each other and the listeners that you know that was their danger, and that happened. And once again, it's happening not just in the box, but if you go back to our previous games. We are going 2-3-on-1. The guy wins the ball and suddenly Arsenal are open up because it's got, all guys are out of position now.
0: And I mean, uh, it's for me, this Sheffield United game really reminded me of, of uh, you know, playing Bolton Wanderers all over again at, at the Reebok Stadium. Because all that corners, like, at, at, there were times where it looked like Sheffield United were also just playing for corners, like, you know, just getting the ball off. Anybody's legs or body, you know, just for the ball to spill out for a corner, just to get that corner and start pushing, putting pressure on the goalkeeper. And then, because at times, I don't know how many times, if it wasn't for, say, bad distribution by, by Sheffield United with the corners, we could have been in, in, in bigger trouble. Do,
1: do, you know, do you know what? Speaking about corners, and that if you look at this game also. How many times did Sheffield United almost hit Arsenal on the counter-attack with Arsenal's corners? It's like, Arsenal takes a corner, it doesn't beat the first man, and then we we slow to react to the second ball, and suddenly Sheffield United are on our heels. I can remember one moment in the game, when I think it was the first half still, when Guendouzi actually bailed us out when um, we took a corner, it went wrong, and Guendouzi had to come in and tackle. I don't actually know what would happen. If this guy, this this youngster, is not playing in the team, because it seems like our midfield battles are not won anymore, like it used to be. With uh, sorry to
0: interrupt, but I mean Jacka's not going to catch up. You know, when when you get and he's sometimes the highest forward of the of central midfielders. So I mean, there's no way his legs are going to carry him uh, at that breakneck
1: speed to, to catch up. But we're seeing it time and time again, where you mentioned that. Emre is going to fall on his sword if he makes Shaka captain. I mean, how can you, as a coach, decide the team must pick who you want to, to um, uh, kind of lead the team on the field? You as a captain, you as a coach, no matter how unpopular popular decision is, you need to say, I want Socrates or I want a to captain the team because right now Shaka's not adding any value. And in a game like this, we needed mobility in the middle of the park because Sheffield United were dominating us. In, this, in, the, in the first match in the it's game.
0: ridiculous when it comes now to sacrifice the player. Uh, then he decides, okay, uh, Xhaka, you're not needed in this team now. Like I'm going to bring sit on for you later on in the game. If okay, you don't think to yourself, then, you know, if you not have that much belief that you make this guy your captain, then why are you hauling him off and not one of say, the other midfielders, which means... I mean, it just shows you the other midfielders were kind of trying... Or, Trying to work harder than him because I mean, you can't, as you said, now you can't take off Quendozi. You, you don't want to know what I mean, hasn't but what happens, and if he comes in off and you let Jaka say on, so it, it just shows you he really shot himself in the foot, as I said, because for me, that was also the wrong choice. And now he puts on that extra, oh, I put this almost like extra or unneeded pressure on himself.
1: And, and then, second half comes like you know, he, he, he makes his substitutions, he brings on Sebayos, but my question is, why is it? That is, is he just getting it wrong all the time? Or is he such a good tactician that he can see what's happening in the game that he can make his substitutions? Initially, I thought it was, you know, kind of cool that we have a coach, you know, that can tinker with the team at halftime. But it's coming to a point now at every halftime we're almost making a substitution. Like, can't he read the team or is he not, I don't know what's not happening that, he picks his eleven. His eleven should be able to do the job. At least call it three games out of five, and the other two, yes, you can tinker around. But we come into the second half. We start off, you know, quite brightly, but then we go into that lull again of sideways passes, sideways passes, sideways passes. We were hurting them when we were speeding up the play and and, and moving the ball.
0: I mean, I, I just found it a tooth like for me, it was like a toothless display, like watching. And you know, when you do something. Sometimes you can almost like analyze also a game going through the motions of a first half and, and, and part of a second half. And I honestly, I'm going to be straight up with you and I'm gonna, like, with the listeners also. I did not see a goal coming in that Sheffield United game.
1: True. That, that,
0: that is so true. And, and you know, we, it's uh, with God, because the reason I'm now in that, that, that thought that we are trying to now get it off much where when we get to a stage where we already almost like pleading for a penalty, I mean, okay, it, it could have been, it could have gone whichever way. But I mean, if, if that's almost like our best chance, it tells you a hell of a lot of the sort of play that we're doing at the
1: moment. No, you are you are 100% correct and that's why when I, I mentioned that, you know, corners need to be better because in a game like this, if you like, looking at the Arsenal performances and that goal wasn't going to come, mm. you could see it wasn't going to come. Like you were looking at the Bamiang, help us please. Pepe had a golden opportunity as well, which should have been, you know, a simple tap in, but, you know, missed that somehow. But then you look you look back to it, corners and set pieces in a in a moment like this are, are your kind of way in. But if you look at Arsenal, we're not dangerous enough. Like Sheffield United, you saw their set pieces. That ball was coming to cause trouble all the time. All it takes is one header and there's disarray. Arsenal, I don't know what they're trying with this. First man, first man. And what scares me and worries me is that we're coming off a weekend where Spurs drop points and Man United drop points. That is enough initiative or motivation me as a fan as well thinking Arsenal are gonna come back strong and they're gonna show that you know they they can be top four contenders.
0: And I mean for me it was like Watford all over if you watch that that um second half especially of Arsenal where Sheffield United was starting to figure out with oh, that goal kicks the short goal kicks and all of a sudden Lennon's end up playing the ball to people that are kind of uncomfortable on the ball or with his pressure on them. And you there were times where we could have even lost the ball because I was just thinking it's almost like another uh, Socrates-era uh, pass to lead to a goal again for them. Because Sheffield United, I think if they just had a bit more legs in them, they could have closed, I don't know how many balls. Or, you know, the way we were, you know, getting almost like kind of cocky. Because at one point, and then, I think later on in the second half, uh, when when Leno took a long goal kick, when he told them to just go forward, he's not going to take it short. There's a camera panned to Una Emery, and he got angry because Leno hit the ball long. And I thought, why? I mean, you bring on the extra pressure on yourself, and especially also in the away game, you got that home crowd Yes. on our back, and now you're still having these short uh, little passes, which, you know, you're not ready. Like, especially when the ball comes out to Socrates, he don't look comfortable on the ball, and by the time he takes too long or he dellies on the ball, then he just moves the ball straight into somebody else again.
1: I, I felt so disappointed after this performance. I, just, I-, I couldn't believe it. I felt like, you know... Be- Prior, probably the season and like, you know, in the beginning of the season, there was very much, you know, let's get behind Una Emre, let's get behind Una Emre. And I think Arsenal fans now are slowly starting to have that split now, you know, pro Una Emre and those are like, could we cut our losses with him? Because I'm not seeing any improvement from last season. I mean, he's a way record has been poor in Spain. But if you look at last season's away record, you know, you're thinking that, you know, they could change some things a bit. But it's the same thing. I think he's a bit too pragmatic at times. I mean, we could have, if we could have tried to maybe take in the game to Sheffield United, it could have been a different story. But it's like, this team just went shell shock. And look, Sheffield United eventually looked like more dangerous. There was one shot in the second half when they hit the side. And I when I thought, oh, flip 2-0 down. And once they go 2-0 down, we're not coming back. And we're not also beating teams in the Premier League by margins anymore we, if we win it, it's just by the one goal.
0: Yes, I mean, I just think, you know, the way he sets himself up it reminds me of a bit of, of, of Mourinho when he was at United where, you know, he does things where he sets the team up or even at that, that, that second stint that they had at Chelsea where, it's like he's trying so hard not to lose but it's also like he's not really impressing, you know, going the other way as well. So, you end up either with dire, you know, dire uh, draws or, or, you know, like we, you try to not lose and you end up getting a tonking or something like that. Because you try to be almost like, you know, almost like overcautious and then it backfires in your face.
1: But, but we're, just, we're just seeing with Arsenal right now and there's, there's just no identity in this club. What's Arsenal's personality? I can't tell you. I can't tell you what's our, you know, our starting lineup. I can't tell you anything. There's just so much confusion in the club. And it's filtering through down to the players. It's like, it's from the communication with Unai Emery, like language barrier-wise, to the instructions on field. Our players just not listening? What is happening to this team currently? And Sheffield United, I mean, points dropped. I mean, we could have even, uh, like at one point, you're looking like, look, we can take a draw. But you look near the latter parts of the game, we're daily dallying with the ball in our own half, almost getting caught out when it's in stoppage time or just before stoppage time. We still don't look hungry enough for that goal.
0: So, you know, we switch our attention now to the Europa League tie, where, you know, many were not sort of expecting, or many Gunners were expecting a sort of backlash to the Monday night defeat. Of course, like about 10 changes made in the squad. And, you know, one was thinking, OK, expect something more, you know, adventurous. Look, that that team has been also kind of carrying us, like performance-wise, going into all the midweek games, like with regards to Carabao Cup or Europa League. But I mean, this was again another sort of shock. where we came up against Vitor uh, Vitoria who already had two uh, losses on the bounce in the in the tournament. And I mean, of course, I thought to myself, okay, this is going to be kind of a walk in the park, you know. Me also, me wrong again because <laughs> from the first whistle, Vitoria already showed the intentions, you know, smothering, defending, uh, sort of lightning fast counter attacks. And I mean, they were they kept on, you know, setting us up with. We think, okay, we got the upper hand here, and by the time we end up losing the ball on the edge of their box, you just see this wave of Victoria players, you know, spreading yeah. up the field, and we were, you know, we almost didn't even look leggy, and I mean, that was like the first few minutes of the game.
1: I was amazed by the way um, it started. I just I just couldn't, like, fathom what was happening. I'm, I'm looking at this Arsenal team, and I'm asking, oh, are we actually... The team away from home or what? Because Arsenal were getting overrun and overrun, and I, it was like a goal was waiting to happen. Like you could see Arsenal were going to concede somewhere, and there was just again no. I don't know if Emre tried to like show them to calm down, or whatever. But there was just nothing on the field showing that we're going to compose ourselves and get going. It's like we we we, we lose the ball, they come back, and say, okay, they don't score. You think okay, it's a little for Arsenal. Let's focus. And the same thing was happening. Every single time, our midfield also looked scattered all over the place again. I just don't think we have a general in the midfield. And I think the way with Torreira at the moment, Everett is using Torreira, I think he's losing a bit of confidence in himself.
0: And I mean, look, we couldn't deal with the wingers. It was like, uh, but I think it also goes hand in hand with that sort of problem where if you don't have your, your say, your wingers or, you know, the, the outside players like left or right side, if they're not helping you, then you gonna always be in that 2v1 that, that situation. And I think that's where T N also had that problem because they were only like picking the ball around him. And people like, say, Emil Smith-Rowe on the left-hand side was not really, you know, trying to help or, you know, kind of bail him out. And the same with Ballard on the other side. You didn't have that sort of help coming from the guy that was not playing on the right-hand side for us there. So you always had that. And I mean, that then also eventually led to the goal for, for Vittoria because... Tierney then, you know, made a blunder on the thing on the halfway line, and that minute of the counter-attack, it was just him and, like, our defence trying to track back. None of the midfield were really making any sort of runs to track back, and by the time, everybody started getting each other's way, and it made it almost too easy for Marcus Edwards to have two bites of the chair and then just steal the ball between uh, Martinez's legs to go one-up for Victoria.
1: It was a very, it was a very good goal, and there was a goal coming in. And, and to be honest, it was one of the first times I saw. It, you know, I've seen he probably play a few times now for yeah. Arsenal, but it was one of the times that he actually really struggled in this game. Like I was like, "Oh, flip, you know, is this? Is, is he struggling against someone that's very pacey?" But like you mentioned, now he didn't have the assistance that that is needed sometimes. I think. With Martinelli also playing out wide, that a bit of you know, inexperience because he's used to, you know, spearheading the attack and just going forward. So I think that also played a, a part to it. But for me, one of the biggest disappointments in the game was Ainsley Maitland-Niles. It feels like the guy doesn't know his spot as well in the team. So whenever he's playing, it's like he's just going through the motions. And there was a thing that you mentioned as well. I think it was against, was it Barcelona or was it? Bayern Munich okay, when you mentioned that that one of those friendlies that he doesn't really have awareness on the field and the Europa League final it was, yes. He doesn't really have that awareness on the field because he gets caught out so very quickly on the field. It's like he doesn't like you know look behind him or keep his eye on the field. It's like he just get, looks to get the ball and suddenly he gets um, intercepted.
0: And I think also another player I was quite disappointed in I mean look, we're still going to now lead on to the game so I think they're um, but it was like a Z, because for me, he looked totally off his game. I mean, I, I, like my personal take was if he got a, a short cameo against Sheffield United and he already looked, you know, quite iffy, you know, then you at least, you know, if, if my, just my personal take, I mean, of course, Emery's now sees it differently, but I would have actually also had him, like say, with a Victoria game, then you give him maybe 35 minutes to a half. Or, type, you know, type of thing to play because for me, it actually just shows. I mean, it got to a point where Martinelli was starting to show him up, you know, in that. Yes. game and then, I mean, look, the, okay, the equalizer then comes on the second minute where, you know, one of that fantastic balls by Tierney, where it's all like it was watching like a Beckham that <laughs> set piece or something like it where he just ends up whooping the ball, and it's almost like all uh, Martinelli had to do was just, you know, direct his head towards goal and bang, 1 1.
1: But that was very short-lived. there's <laughs> something that Arsenal's been doing very much this season. I mean, you private message me and also told me this. But it's something that I don't know if it's an MA thing or Arsenal thing. Because shortly afterwards, you know, we Angel Maitland-Niles gets caught on the ball, and they allow Victoria Kimeris to 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 you know run on at, at our goal, take a shot. So the the rebound comes and they make it 2-1. But my, I have two gripes over here. The fact is that the rebound, why aren't the guys closing quickly enough? It's like they're watching the ball. It come rebound and they to get the second bite of the cherry. And my second, or my first gripe that I actually wanted to mention is that we concede too early after we score. I mean, don't you say, okay, guys, let's just hold our heads for the next few minutes, and we can get ourselves back in the game. We saw it against Liverpool where we score a goal and we concede shortly afterwards. We saw it against Man United, where we score and concede shortly afterwards. And there was another game now recently that I can't get to the name of, where we scored and we conceded almost straight afterwards. I think Aston Villa. So, what is going on?
0: And I think mean, that for me also, it shows also that lack of responsibility going on in this team at the moment. Because, look, when Maitland Niles loses the ball... You know, I'm expecting, if you watch, I mean, I can tell you, now. I mean, if you watch, like, say, a Man City, you watch a Liverpool, you watch even Chelsea and, and Spurs, even, like, those teams that are having this type of dip in form. But I'm just talking, like, in general talk now. If they make an error, they know for a fact they're going to have to try to fix that error that they just made. Yeah. No. The same way I think you saw, I think, Gwendoza also in that one off when he came on as a sub in this game, where he, when he made an error, he went, you know, he went on, like, a lung-busting run to try to catch up to... You know, just was like hold up the play, and I mean, for me, maitland Niles, when you just see, you know, he shrugs his shoulders, drops his head, and for me, it was, you know, give me kind of flashback of um, Oxlade Chamberlain back in the day when he would make an error. You know, he's a, you know, he was like a good player for us in that, but you would see when he, he would lose, you know, be knocked out of or off his game, he would, you know, you know, do that drop of the head, shrug his shoulders, and then it was like, like like a frustrated jog, but there's no, you know, trying to fully sprint to catch up and try to make up that error. And I think that is where the thing where, where you could see uh, he already lost confidence in, in himself, but also you could see with regards to going into halftime, he was gonna be probably one of the first players to be hooked off.
1: And there's a brave move, you know, by Emre this time, you know, you give him the where it's due, but I mean he gets it wrong again, but he you know has to correct it with his substitutions that Gwendos and Sebayos and big ups to you to tell the listeners I think Private uh, morning. Private message me, and he said, "You know, we should take off Warlock and uh, Angel Maitland-Niles for the Gwendozi and Sebayos and they did kind of make a difference in the end. But you know, big ups to you on that as well."
0: But you know what I get is, if you know, like most of the teams we're playing now at the moment. You do need, whether I mean, look, of course you've got the whole Ozil drama thing, but, I mean, you're going to need a, either Ozil or you're going to need uh, someone like Sebo to start the game, whether it's yeah. League Cup or, or um, you know, Premier League or because you do need somebody to pick those locks, because everybody, when they know we don't have a creative player, just watch the setup of whoever we play. With the minute they see that we don't have, you know, a creative player, and then you watch the minute, like say, your, your type of Sebios comes in or... One of the mids of our plays a board direct game. you see a team's ar shaking in their boots?
1: I think I was surprised that Uzel didn't get wasn't even in the in the team to start off with because he I, I think he I mean he does add quality. Yes, he can, you know, have his moments, but to be fair to him, he is sometimes what they call a flat track bully, where sometimes against the lower teams, Uzel can tear them apart, make no mistake about it, he has it ability at times to open up teams and unlock the door, because, so, I mean, all it needs is that, you know, that eye of the needle pass from a an Ouzel, and suddenly, you know, you you in a one-on-one, a Aubameyang sometimes, I think, misses that, and I think maybe that can unlock more of Pepe's potential as well.
0: I think that is where, I mean, I know a lot of people, uh, excuse me, uh, you know, go on about Obama Young, and that you know, the you know, where would we be without these goals and stuff like that? But the minute, I mean, that is where for me, I mean, this is now, of course, my opinion. I mean, everybody has their own thing, but this is for me, where sometimes for me, always luck I it edges like you are fully fit, luck I it? Because look in certain games like this, or not this now, but I mean, in that, like I said, the Sheffield United game, he can be so quickly isolated and then he's out of the game, you know, you nullify everything of him speed. He's running into, you know, open pockets. Everything is nullified. Whereas, like I said, you will go fetch that ball and try to... Yes. Win or, or set you up, or whatever. And the same same was said also now. That's a, it's almost like a real gem to have as Martinelli. Yes. I Because mean, you can now switch his gameplay to a winger. He can go straight up to spear your attack and he can go to the other side of the field or like, as the other side winger, like left or right side, to also do damage there. So that sort of thing is what we also, you know, need. And that, and I mean, that is where also the midfield, you need that creativity as you know, said, you need that Ozil, you need that Sebaeus. And that is why I think for, for me, like, you know, going into the next few months, and I mean, look, we're going to come in through, come to even a more hectic part of, of the month. Even though there's going to be this mini, uh, almost like a split uh, winter break for teams, I think it's going to be like, uh, I think about 10 or so will play one batch of uh, one round and then the rest of the league will have about two weeks off. And then, the you know, that group, that batch of 10 will have their fixtures and then the others will again like, have it, like, a couple of weeks off. So just uh, with regards to the game again, then of course, like, you know, Pepe comes on in the 74th minute and that almost like, you know, becomes like a Pepe show. Because all of a sudden, you, you see that sort of drive-by that we were, like, longing for. And it's almost like that, you know, there was, the subs were made. You had Guendouzi on point. You had Serbios, you know, stringing everything together, wanting the ball also. Uh, Guendouzi giving that extra drive. And, I mean, uh, Pepe was almost, like, bringing that extra skill on the flanks to help. Almost like Martinelli up front also. So, you could see, of course, it was still, you know, into basketball stuff also. Because, I mean, it's not like... Yeah. We as a clean slate because it was still end to end stuff and that is also one of my big worries because as much as we were attacking them they could also score at any
1: time the other side. It's like we don't we don't we don't stamp our authority on games. We don't see like you know when when, when some teams are saying to you or was, oh no you're not going to get back into the game again like we 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 are like, we are too open and you know. Once again, we were we were creating chances, but our finishing wasn't on point. I mean, Martinelli, I think, had two opportunities we could have, you know, finished for us. But when you look at it, we were lucky because on another day, Pepe could have not, you know, got the two free kicks that he scored. But big ups to him with the one, the first goal to make it two two. It was a it was a risk taking that shot on another day. We would have said, why didn't he put it in the box for someone to put their head to it? And I think a 2-2, it kind of sprung the game into life for Arsenal, a lifeline. And I think a lifeline to Emre as well. Because I think if that didn't make a 2-2 at that point, I think the fans would have started getting on, on his back and on the team's back in the game as well. So they really the, got booted off time
0: What I enjoyed was when, when you know, the, the favourite Arsenal 8-figure, uh, Robin Van Persie, was like doing punditry work. Like, you know, after the fact now, after the game now, he was saying uh, well that, that first Pepe free kick, what he liked was, I, mean, I really almost like took note of it once. He analysed it because for me, it was more just tra- tracking that ball going to the net. But uh, Van Persie said, he actually, like Pepe was actually, uh, you know, judging that that keeper would take a big step to the left first and the ball would now be whipped in the box. And I mean, it was a, a fantastic call because the minute that guy took the step and he was already, in, he knew which corner he's going to play it in. By the time that keeper makes that step to the left, I mean, but for the recovery of that move that he made, the keeper, there was no way he was going to get that ball. And that was the, the sort of pin that he was putting on and exactly where he wanted to place it. So, you know, fantastic goal, Pepe.
1: Big ups to him as well. You know, he hasn't been the best confidence as well. And for him to, you know, take the risk to go bring us back into the game, it was. A very good, you know, on each off and I hope that has confident. confidence a world of good actually.
0: And then I mean like leading on to like the pressure just being cranked up the last five minutes. Because I mean then I mean props also to Victoria because I mean physically they also showed the same pressure for most of the game. But I mean you can see the last like minute going to the to injury time even they their leagues were kinda gone already. And I mean with the. the uh, that free kick was won by Quintozzi, by who was adding an extra drive to the team, which was now needed. And I mean, this is the same ploy that he did also against Aston Villa, where he just yeah. guns it for the opponent. And I mean,
1: uh, yeah, go on. No, go on. no, no, sorry, go. On.
0: And then, I mean, with that free kick, the time it's a bit closer. But it's uh, something like that, uh, the anticipation in the crowd was already so high. I mean, by the time he bangs that ball in, I mean, it's like they call it top bin or postage stamp perfectly
1: placed freaky to win the game for Arsenal. We were very we really lucky, but going back to it with Guendouzi, we need more guys like that in the team that's willing to say, OK, I'm going to take responsibility now, We try to get back into this game. We don't have that at times. We look to the next person and pass the ball and say, help us. And sometimes we give Guendouzi stick yeah. for holding on the ball too long, but it's because he's trying to make something happen. I mean, we don't have anybody like that in the team that takes the ball and says, I want to help us win the game.
0: I mean, it just makes you think of that. There was a few seasons ago where, where um, he's, like, ghosting through the United team and, and um, what was it, F- F- Fellaini
1: drags it back by his ear. Yes, 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 yes. I remember that. that Old Trafford game.
0: Yeah, whenever I see him play, when he's, like, doing those drives to them, I'm thinking, is anybody going to grab one of his locks or something like that when he's bursting? Because, I mean, that, that side of his game, I'm really liking. I mean, I think that awareness, he's, he's kind of sharpening up. I mean, it still has his little blips in games, But, I mean, you can see the sort of player he is developing into. And, I mean, at that, what's it, 19 now? knocking on 20? So, I mean, he, he's showing a, a sort of character that, you know, we need for the future for Arsenal.
1: If only he could have, like, a Alexis Sanchez driving with him forward from time to time, it would have been a lethal combination, I feel.
0: Mm. So, yeah, end of that. We focus now attention to the Crystal Palace game tomorrow. Uh, you know, fifth versus sixth. <laughs> first state of football as the Gouna at the moment. And I mean, look at the moment, Crystal Palace almost like our bogey team.
1: Yes. And I think they're licking their lips probably coming against Arsenal. I mean, um, it's, uh, I will probably have something to prove. Mm-hmm. And I feel that, Arsenal doesn't like the, the Crystal Palace type of way. I mean last season they took we only managed a point against them out of out of the possible six on offer. So it's gonna be a big game for Arsenal. We're gonna to have to come back strong. Um hopefully Tottenham can drop some more points. We saw Leicester yesterday that Leicester are showing that they're not they they oh more away. They are devastating. Arsenal when we go away from home, even against a man down, we seem to struggle as well.
0: But I mean, at the moment, for them, for, for Palace at the moment, their most reliable players are, you know, James McArthur in midfield, Joel Ward in defence, and Andros Townsend giving them that edge in attack. Because, I mean, many are expecting, I think, Zaha to, you know, be the, the, the linchpin up front for them. But look, Andros Townsend has also been quite a consistent performer for Crystal Palace ever since he you now moved. Almost like, you know, from moving that notch back from from Spurs. So he's like, you know, almost like performing, almost like overperforming. performing and Team, but I mean, look, they always putting surprises.
1: I mean, look how they saw off Man United at Old Trafford. Yes. yeah <laughs> It's not going to be an easy game. I, th- I think Arsenal are going to have to start strong. We're going to, I think Emery can't do this pragmatic approach of packing the three in the midfield with like, your defensive guys. I think a Seba has to start. And like I said, it will probably be a cameo performance because from what I saw on Thursday, I don't think he'll be able to start. But I hope Tierney. Gets the the nod, and we see Balotelli maybe slotting in at right back.
0: Because I mean, I what uh, the thing is, I'm not really getting at the moment. Look, if you play some like say, Tierney or Balotelli in these league cup or under 23s, even at under 23 league uh, games, games can also be very tough. Like you know, physically. So if you if they can ride that out, which they have been doing. Then why not I mean take that chance? Like, and this is what I mean with Embry, that when he does that, he gets overly cautious. I mean, I'm not saying rush somebody when you know they say that that orange or red zone type of thing. Not that. But I mean get like let and get maybe like say a 15 or, or 30 minute or a run out in the game. But just you can get the feel for the Premier League again, type of thing. And the same with the because he's been playing almost like 90 minutes to the point of I mean getting cramped, but I mean he's still weathered on. So if we can show that
1: sort of fight in it, then let him play. My biggest gripe with Emre is, you know, he's isolated Uzil, he's, he's treated Mustafi quite badly as well. Okay, Mustafi, you know, we were also calling for Mustafi's head as well. But my my issue is that our backline is not performing. So why does he consist on putting those two next to each other again, Louis and Socrates? Maybe drop Socrates and bring in Rob Holding or even slot Callum Chambers in that centre back. Yeah. Very good. at at the moment it's not working with Louise and Socrates. And Socrates is being shown up quite badly from from what I've been seeing in this um season so far.
0: And I mean look, this now of course leads us also now to the talking points of for the you know for the week's podcast, because that is actually one of my main topics now. Like, you know, everybody has their opinions at the moment about Una Emery and I also just want to know your, you know, deep in that, you know, deep take on, like, with him, what's your thoughts about him? What's the, on, like, kind of future with him at the home at the moment? And, you know, and I'm in, I will, of course, get my opinion as well.
1: Uh, I think with, with Una Emre, it's, it's a bit of a tale of two, tape. The one, I saw the changes he had, you know, home, home at home, he, he seems to be getting the job done for most times, Right. But away from home, it's just not getting any better. I I thought initially there was an improvement with an unbeaten record, but I I can't seem to see any improvement with it because it's like we're so stagnant away from home. We're not improving on performances. We're giving up two goal leads. And I just feel that we're going to have to make a cutthroat call and it might not be favourable. But I think if things don't change... In the next three to four games, we we might need to make a change in manager. and might be a bit drastic. Or Emre has to start changing his approach away from home. He needs to maybe be a bit more proactive instead of reactive all the time. Because what happens happening is Arsenal are finding themselves behind in too many games. And they're struggling to get back into it. And I know Emre has been very good in Europe. Like, you know, he's home and away legs. But... That is probably because if you're playing away from home in Europe, you don't have to win the game. You are able to lose the game and still go through. So it allows him to set up his team not to lose. But in the Premier League, it's not working. And if Allegri is on the market and Emily doesn't change things, I think we either need to go there or give Freddie a chance. I know it might sound a bit drastic, but that's my personal opinion right now. It could change if Emre changes his tactics and things, but that's where I stand at the moment.
0: I mean, look, I gave him the season to, you know, last season to iron things out or try to make things better. It was for a while, and then it started, you know, kind of veering off sharply at the end. Uh, As for the new season, look, he's got the board support, he got the players or roughly most of the players that he wanted and whatever. But as you said, the identity is still the problem. The team still does not know, you know, whether to stick or twist at the moment. So you don't know where you stand watching them. And I mean, my biggest beef with this, with the at the moment, is like you see the sort of pedestrian football while other teams are playing. I mean, if you have a team that's playing, say, either lower half or mid-table, and they starting to look like Barcelona on the field. And it tells something that's really wrong with the way you have set up, you know, you stall against them. And the other thing is also, on the flip side, that's, that's also where it's a kind of catch-22 situation. At times, I also think it's like a knee-jerk reaction week because the way football has now moved, like, from, you know, everything is done. Like, you watch on TV or in the stadium. And then from there, you switch your attention to, you know, newspaper articles. And, and now everything is now social media, this, that, and the other. And, of course, you get that, that, like, said after games, when you have people, like, say after one defeat, and you have people already calling for, like, what I didn't get was, in a way, I mean, of course, we have this, this gripes in it, But, I mean, we have, say, after the Sheffield United game, you've got people calling for his head, and yet they forget that we were, like, say, on a, whether it's now Black or, by, by, you know, by Okoba Baikur, but we got, between that, we got, like, an eight-game unbeaten run. So... You know, I, I don't know if I'm making kind of sense here, but it's like you also people must also think in that sense because if you think we had Wenger so long, and I mean, if you think of of Klopp's first season or so, or even Crop second season maybe, we you're also trying to sort of set up, uh, you know, uh, the team the way you want to. But I think the way it counts against um, Emery again is like he's doing that thing that we mentioned at the start of the podcast, where he's being at that that cautious whereas... Uh, Klopp or somebody, he was just telling them, you know, go express yourself, do, you know, do what you want. And that's also how that team grew as, like, you know, their, their character has grown and everybody knows Liverpool is a team that now will grind you down. And, and you know, whether it's a game that, that looks like they're going to lose, they end up drawing, games that they draw, it looks like they end up a draw, it's going to switch into a win, win as with us. You don't know which way it's going to pay. And you, like, you know, it was like easy games on paper. You think, OK, this is walking the park. And you just know deep, deep down, if someone was not really asking about it, you will have doubts about it because you, you don't have really belief in this team.
1: The, the problem I, I have with, with this at the moment is that Liverpool with under Klopp, you know, they had that transition period, but you could see there was improvement. You could see, you know, it was going somewhere. Right now with Emery, it, it like... It doesn't seem like we're going anywhere. Like, this season, like yeah, we were unbeaten. But it's like, there's there's, there's no sparking performance where you're like, oh, wow, you know, this team look like they're coming, right? It's like, they're going somewhere and they just dropped drastically. There's no, like, consistency. And that that's my biggest worry. But, like you mentioned, I think we also are forgetting. I saw an article Emre wrote, and I just wanted to refine that your opinion. He said, like, you know, Wenger kind of left him in a difficult situation when he took over the Arsenal side because... You know, the, the foundation really wasn't there for, for Una Emery.
0: I'm to a degree, I agree with that, because just think when George Graham got sacked and then Bruce Rioch, I mean, I don't really... I mean, you can't really put but for bringing Burkamp and them in. But Rioch had really nothing to do with the building of the squad. But I mean, that... Like, Wenger inherited almost like a George Graham defence, which was... You know, it was like second to none at that time. And now it's like, for me, it's more like we were left when, when Emery and when Wenger and Buzidis left. It was more like everything was left in a shambles. Those was also the way the club was run, you know, in the back. Because, look, you had people with the contracts we couldn't get rid of people because they, they're too happy with the paycheck they're going home with. And then you had also the sort of, look, when Wenger left, we already had a catastrophe of a defence. And then it's only like uh, the, that some other people that, that, Muslim, that I thought would now bring in. I mean, but for say, and then, but I mean, you had people in defense who look like Socrates. It's only like now that, that, that you have Mustafi out, now it almost like, kind of, like sticks out like a sore, t- sore thumb how bad he also is when he plays. And I mean, he's like theatrics, is not helping. And, and so it's only like you have all these sort of thing, uh, catastrophes going on and then You've got Maitland Niles who's kind of confused like where he wants to be because also like that also never has been fixed. Because look, he was just supposed to temporarily be a right back. And other than that, he would be used as a winger or a, a holding midfielder. And that was already under Winger days. But it's not like everybody that just opt on that and you know, in that doing that, opting on that way, they keep him at the right back. The minute Bellerant got that cruciate injury. There was no really real backup for him, so he ends up just playing and playing, and you're not, you, you know, there's no real change being brought into the side. And then, of course, you take uh, somebody like Seolosinha on the other flank, who, you know, until he knows, you know, there's a real heat on him, he's playing as reckless as you can. I mean, he'll bomb forward fine, and I mean, sometimes he gets fantastic sets going forward, but when you watch, you see his defensive side, he looks a total different player. We, you know, somebody just want to say.
1: Sticky on the transfer market. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I believe that Kolasinac, we I think we have to because once Kieran needs the eats the ground running at left back, there's not going to be much competition for him with net unless there's an injury. Because Kolasinac just, you know, doesn't defend properly. I mean, if if I was a winger and you put me up against him, I know that I'm going to be coming up against someone that's going to eventually tie and he's not going to track back and I have that old freedom down on the right-hand side to attack Arsenal. Because a lot of our goals is coming from him and what, what irks me is that at left back he's offside a lot of the time.
0: And I mean, one thing where, where Emery does not do himself any favours is like, people are, get, are making errors, vital errors in games and they will still be chosen the next league game.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, you're
0: not, not going to help yourself like it because, you and I mean, it's not like, you know, the knee-jerk reaction, it's, if it's like over a period of games where this player is playing bad, that player is playing bad, and the minute they come off, all of a sudden this team look totally transitioned, they look a more energized side, look more attacking, more ruthless, then it makes you think, why... Do you put yourself in with that? Because you're going to make the same errors every. Like, it's like, you know, walking into a door constantly and you got the door on the right side of
1: you, you know, you can just walk in. But he, he seems to drop Oozle. Like, you know, that it's, it's very much double standards. I mean, yes, we, I would also drop Oozle, but the way he's treating Oozle now, it's I think it's a bit unfairly. Okay, obviously, we don't know what's happening behind closed doors. Uzel's being a difficult customer as well. But... Look what's happening with, like you said, Socrates, Xhaka. Yeah. Those guys are, are playing week in, week out, whereas Uzel was almost like, you know, Ozil, it's almost like Ebony he's a soft guy at heart because, like you saw at, at PSG, I think the characters were too strong for him then. That's why he couldn't maybe last there. And now, like, you know, Ozil, maybe someone that wouldn't, you know, take him on, whereas Socrates and Xhaka seem like those... Kind of guys that will you know, argue with you and fight you. Then he's like, okay, no, you know, let him play.
0: Yeah, I mean, individually, I mean, if you look at the squad, individually, they are strong players. I mean, they, they are, some of them are fantastic players. But there's more sort of like, as a team, they are confused. They don't have that sort of, as you said, they don't have that identity of, you know, what we must be at Arsenal. Whereas, like with Man City, you know, that is the identity. With Liverpool, you know, that is the identity. And that is what we should be trying to build ourselves. Up at but I mean at the moment it's like with him at the helm I'm not sure you know how it's going to work because you're going to need somebody with a very very strong attitude to come in and take over.
1: Then. Like like the Wolves coach I think we were talking about the like a guy like Wolves like Officer Wolves or Simeone. not not saying them per se but those type of guys that look like I'm not going to take your shit if you know you you come with the attitude I'm going to choose you and choose the teams on merit I'm not going to have favorites and what I say. Is final and they will probably get you know leaders in the team which Arsenal need as well.
0: Doesn't I like my take was when he he joined, I thought he was gonna somehow steady this, steady the ship, galvanize like say the defense, which was the biggest Achilles' heel. Because I mean, look, we already have the firepower, but I mean, it's like nothing has really been done to fix that defense, and I mean, we are always conceding stupid goals. We're always also giving away stupid free kicks. I mean, when you see Xhaka with two ends in the back or pulling people <laughs> by the kit you, you can't do that.
1: You, you know, you 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 eat the nail on the head. If you look at the goals Arsenal concede, right? It's not... Look, there are times where the teams do show brilliance, but at the moment at Arsenal Football Club, the goals we're conceding is not because of fantastic play. It's because of... People ice skating like Bambi in the box, falling over their feet or just, you know... No,
0: silly, silly, silly.
1: Yeah. Yes, I mean, it's not... It's not it's like We don't make it difficult for the opposition to score, but yet if you look at Arsenal, we need to carve out charge of the charge before we find the back of the net.
0: Like, I mean, they were asking also after the um, Sheffield United game, so they said, why... I'm not sure if it was Robin watt it was in the studio for that game as well, We you were saying something like, why are they letting Leno stand alone there and nobody is putting a man between Muset and the keeper because they said at least you have somebody there to obstruct, the, yeah, you know, it was like distract him or obstruct him from getting that ball. And I mean, it was like a free, like, yeah, it ended up being free header and a free tap and uh, past the keeper. So that is also goes to show like you've got so many senior players also in that box, and nobody is even picking up on, on simple, simple things like that to fix.
1: You know, you you, you eat the nail, like, Robert Van Persie, like, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, I've listened to him a few times, not probably as much as you, but he's very, like, objective with his opinion. You can see he still has a bit of love for Arsenal when he speaks as well, but, like, he makes sense when he speaks. He doesn't, like, eat Arsenal to the ground because of the relationship. He actually said, like, he actually wants to improve Arsenal when he speaks. You know, he wishes that certain things change so that they can move forward. Yeah.
0: So put an end to the podcast now um, I hope you know things go better than last season's Palace visit because I don't think we want a sort of game like that again but you know with this Arsenal team I don't know so, I mean you want to be really really positive and upbeat and I mean look you know me by now I always want that three points whenever but I mean sometimes you're not sure which Arsenal is going to show its face but I mean that aside I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend Hope the game goes our way tomorrow. Come on, Ugandans!
1: Come on, Arsenal. I see a 3-1 win coming our way.